Hello, and welcome back to A Cozy Christmas Podcast. I'm your host, Art. I want to thank everyone for their very kind responses to the first episode. I wasn't sure what I was expecting when I hit the launch button, but your response has been overwhelming. So many of you have sent me kind wishes and messages welcoming me to the Christmas Podcast community, and I am so grateful. So how's your Christmas in July been? Where I live, it's been hot and humid, typical Iowa summer. As I'm recording, there's a thunderstorm in the background, so you might get some non-Christmassy-sounding thunderstorms, unless you live south of the equator. The typical Iowa summer, you basically, you don't walk places you swim because there's so much humidity. It's like trying to breathe through a damp, warm washcloth, which is about as pleasant as it sounds. So I hope your Christmas in July is going well and that you've had opportunities to feel Christmassy in the weeks we've had to celebrate. So one thing you can do is to send me an email. Tell me some of your favorite Christmas memories. And I want to share those on my podcast. And you can either send me a text email, send me a voice recording. Of course, my uh, my email address is cozychristmaspodcast at gmail.com. And that'll all be in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me a story about Christmas and about what Christmas means to you. Tell me a favorite memory you have of a relative. I've got so many of my own that I'm looking forward to sharing. And kind of my journey on to how I became a Christmas fanatic. Uh, So I can't wait to share those with you. But I want to hear from you. Uh, There's been such a great listener feedback and I want to put some of those recordings and, and if you want to just, as I said, just send me an email and I'll read that and I'd be happy to. And we can settle down by the Christmas fire and share our favorite Christmas memories together. There's a couple of online resources I want to make you aware of that are Christmas related. This is not any kind of paid advertising. I just have really enjoyed these websites. First of all is you need to get to know Lisa over at the stressfreechristmas.com website. Uh, she has a wide range of products and planners and things to help de-stress your Christmas. I think if we're going to have a cozy Christmas, we need to take out a little bit of that stress in our life. She has things over there from holiday fun ideas to recipes, planning, how to save money, how to plan for Christmas. One of the best things in that was the idea to create a Christmas bucket list. Things that you and your family want to do during Christmas time. It's on your list. You're going to do it. That's just a way to help organize what you want to get done over Christmas. And I think that's a great idea. So I've started writing down some things that I want to do this Christmas. If you go to the stressfreechristmas.com, you can check out all of her links and products and recipes and things like that. Later in this episode, Gracie and I are going to make some frozen hot chocolate. And I was thinking that this would taste really good with coffee in it. And sure enough, she's got a recipe on there for frozen hot chocolate frappe. I'll let you check that out and give her some support. She's not paying me to say this, but it's a great, great website. Another one, of course, is over at the uh, MyMerryChristmas.com website. The forums are a great place to meet other Christmas-loving people. I've already found some folks there that I've really enjoyed chatting with. One thing that Jeff and the site are promoting this year is the beginning of something they call the Christmas Hall of Fame. 
and you'll see the the links on the website when you go. And I want to encourage you to check that out. This is this is a great idea, and he's got a list of all the of people and and things surrounding Christmas that we can vote on as to whether or not it deserves to be in the Christmas Hall of Fame. I think you should go and check that out. It's going to be a fun experience, and I'm getting my vote in for Charles Dickens. I think he is definitely deserves a place in the Christmas Hall of Fame, so I encourage everyone to go and check that out. Well, I was going to read a Christmas story to you today, but I decided to wait on that one. It just didn't have quite the right feel that I wanted for this I mean, it's a great story, and I'm and I do have plans to read it, but it kind of ends on a sad note. And I wanted this first one to be maybe a little happier. And I want to share a Christmas memory with you from the Great Depression. Now, this is not mine, of course, uh, wasn't alive back then, but it was written by a man who lived in in my community. He farmed here in rural Iowa his whole life. I believe he passed away about 15 years ago. The only time he lived anywhere else was during World War II. He knew how to weld, and so the military sent him to the naval base in Bremerton, Washington, to assist with the Navy's rebuild and repairs to ships damaged in Pearl Harbor. After the war, he returned to Iowa and started a family. Some time ago, probably in the 1980s, he decided to sit down and write out his family history. And it was something that he wanted to write that he could pass on to the next generation. And it ended up being about a 60-page document full of his memories of growing up in rural Iowa and coming back from the war and farming and just living in this small, wonderful community. And so imagine my delight as I read through the first pages of his story. He talked about being a boy and he devoted about two pages to Christmas in the 1920s. And I knew immediately I had to share this with you because this is just wonderful, a wonderful memory of what life was like back then. They had a lot of need, but they were very, uh, they were very content and satisfied with what they had, and they made do with what they had. It was really a very different lifestyle than what we are used to today. And so, without further ado, here is Vernon Pash's Christmas Memories from the Great Depression. He begins his family memories by thinking about the clock that had set on the mantelpiece his whole life. And he was wondering about how much family history that clock had seen in the years that have gone by. He recalls his childhood and some of the physical difficulties he had because, quite honestly, of malnourishment, because of how poor they were. But for him, Christmas was a very special time. He writes... When we got the fall catalogs from Sears and Montgomery Ward, we kids would start looking and wishing for what we would like to have for Christmas. We knew all along that it was mostly wishing, but we were used to, maybe we'll get that sometime. That's what we expected to hear, so it was no disappointment. A couple more phrases we heard often were, no, it takes too much gas, when we wanted to go someplace. And we also heard, We'll go after we get through threshing. This went on for years. I never could figure out why threshing was always the deadline, but it worked. The only place we went after threshing was to Des Moines, so Dad could talk to the fellow that bought Dad's farm when he lost it about renting it again for the next year. That was another day when Mom packed a basket of lunch that we usually ate at some country schoolyard. The roads were all dirt roads, so Dad always picked a day when it wasn't going to rain. 
Mom ordered a spindly little Christmas tree from Sears and Roebuck, and it came in a carton about six inches square and three feet long. When it arrived, we opened it up and pulled it out. It went by the name of tree, so that must be what it was. To describe it is difficult. It had a dowel painted brown for a trunk, and in it they drilled the same number of holes as there were branches, which were about a dozen of varied lengths that were wrapped in some sort of fuzzy green stuff. And on the end of each branch was a red berry about the size of a bean. All we had to do was pull this tree out of the box, bend the wires down to limb position, and we had a tree because it came stuck in a pot for a base. But there was one thing wrong. The trunk, or dowel, had gotten broken in the mail, so Dad made three splints out of a peach box, wired them where they needed most, and we were in business. We were proud of that cheap little patched up tree. It made our Christmas complete, and when we clamped on our tin candle holders and lit the candles in them, just for a couple of minutes, the folks were afraid of a fire hazard. That was just about the prettiest thing we had ever seen. And when the candles were blown out, we had the nice smell of hot wax and the smoking wicks. That was all a long time ago, but the combination of all that one never forgets. When the Christmas season was over, we very carefully bent the wire limbs back up and put it back in its box to be laid away until the next season when we did it all over again. I'm sorry that cheap little tree ever got destroyed, and I wished many times I had it to put up, because during the times of the Depression when you had nothing, it helped set aside the few days of the Christmas season as something real, and helped us to appreciate the few precious things that our folks had to skimp and save for, and for them to do with less. Christmas then was really something to look forward to, because it was then, and not until then, did we have candy. This was hard Christmas candy, in such an amount that it had to be put into a bowl. Mixed nuts, too, were had then, but when those in the bowl were gone, that was it until next year. There was also always a two-pound box of marshmallows. In those days, they came neatly fitted in a two-layer box, not like today smashed in a plastic bag, with a light sprinkling of powdered sugar over them. When the lid was put back on down over the box, little whiffs of powdered sugar would blow out with the escaping air. It smelled so sweet and is easy to remember. This all took place after supper when we had oyster stew. Dad would bring home a quart from the Mort's meat market a few days early before they ran out. It was 50 cents a quart then. That would be about the time he would bring home a half crate of oranges to start on Christmas Eve. It was hard to even think at the time that anyone could have anything better, and we really didn't get enough of this kind of food. I had a cracking of skin between my fingers and under my ears, and Mom took me into the doctor and he said I needed more fresh fruit, because this was caused by a vitamin shortage. Then Mom would bring out the Christmas cookies she had made. When it came time for our gifts, Mom would unlock the top of the icebox. This is where she knew our gifts would be safe because she carried the key in her apron pocket. Most of our gifts came from Sears and Roebuck. She would pack the gifts wrapped in newspaper in her reed clothes basket and carry them into the front room where we had the tree. The hard coal stove that was in the front room was started, along with the kerosene lamps, and we had a room filled with love. We had wonderful parents who went the extra mile for us, 
and made the simple life we had the best they could with the little money they had. On Christmas Day, Mom would set the table in the dining room for dinner, put on the linen tablecloth, get her best dishes and silverware, and we would eat in there. How could anyone add anything better to a memory like that? When I see Christmas today, I so often think that at one home there is probably more money spent for wrapping paper than our Christmas cost altogether, food, gifts, and everything. And I wonder what part of their Christmas will be remembered in the same way that we remember ours. That was a wonderful memory. You know, sometimes we run the risk of romanticizing the past and we think that maybe things in the old days were better than they are now. In some ways, that's not true. For instance, I'm thankful that we have enough food and medicines and things so that I don't have to worry about getting scurvy because we were so poor we couldn't even have fruit. You know, those, there's hardships back then that I don't want to have to live through, and I'm grateful that I don't. Uh, but, you know, and we have our own share of hardships today. I just liked their happiness with one another and their love for one another that filled the room as warm as the Christmas fire did. I think in this time where we are facing a very uncertain Christmas, um, one where we could be in quarantine again, where maybe the pandemic has hit a lot of people in bigger numbers, this year I think it's going to be more important for us than ever before to make these personal Christmas memories, to spend that time with loved ones. Maybe it's a good thing that we could possibly be forced to slow down and to take a breath and to spend time with each other. And so I encourage you to take those moments to record them, to write them down, to make a memory book like Vernon did, so that our next generation doesn't forget these lessons. That the most important thing that you can have on Christmas morning is your family. And I know some of you will have that, and and I know that some of you won't, and that Christmas is a very hard time for you. But I want you to know that there are people in your life who care for you. Reach out to them if you need it. This is a hard time for all of us, and I hope that Christmas is something that you look forward to and will have fond memories of. His story reminded me of a section in my favorite book, A Christmas Carol. And let me read that section to you. It's during Stave 3 in The Ghost of Christmas Present. And Scrooge is at the Cratchit's house, and he watches their very simple little Christmas. And they had their their small dinner, and yet they had a joyous time about it. And it says there near the end of the chapter. At last the dinner was all done, the cloth was cleared, the hearth swept, and the fire made up. The compound in the jug being tasted and considered perfect, apples and oranges were put upon the table and a shovel full of chestnuts on the fire. Then all the Cratchit family drew around the hearth in what Bob Cratchit called a circle, meaning half a one, and at Bob Cratchit's elbow stood the family display of glass, two tumblers and a custard cup without a handle. And you know that scene as they toast Scrooge and Tiny Tim says, God bless us, everyone. Scrooge realizes that Tiny Tim is very sick and he could die. And I think Scrooge understands the impact the devastation that would cause this family and I think he sees Tiny Tim not as a surplus population but as a person as a life 
And, and that strikes him that this young life could be taken from this wonderful, simple, beautiful family. But what I love most about this is how this chapter ends. Uh, as they're sitting around the fire and they're, they're just talking and enjoying time with each other and just they're just chatting. I mean, when was the last time we did that? Um, that we just sat together as a family and talked. And so as they close out the scene, Dickens writes this about their Christmas. There was nothing of high mark in this. They were not a handsome family. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty. And Peter might have known, and very likely did, the inside of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. And when they faded and looked happier yet in the bright sprinklings of the spirit's torch at parting, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim, until the last. That's such a beautiful, beautiful little paragraph. I love that, that they were not handsome, they were not well-dressed, they had just the basic necessities, and yet they had one another. They had love, they had contentment. I believe that had a powerful effect on Scrooge. It did on my life. When I first read this story, it just blew me away, seeing Christmas in this way. And so that's a Christmas memory from the Great Depression. Let me take a moment and step outside and check on the weather. Ah. Ow. Ooh. Eee. Ah. Ah. Yep. Still hot. All right. I complained enough about that. It's time to do something and beat this heat. So Gracie and I were wanting some yummy Christmas beverages, but as I've said repeatedly, it's been hot out. So I found a great recipe for frozen hot chocolate posted by the user Mary Carey on the MyMerryChristmas.com forums. If you look for the Tinsel's Tavern thread, it's posted there. That thread is also a great place to hang out when you come onto the website. You can uh, just search for Tinsel's Tavern in the search bar, and it's the home of the world-famous Frothy Mug O'Nog, and it's where I, I like to say the the eggnog is cold, but the friendship is warm. Is that too much? That's probably a little too much. Okay. But it is a really, a really fun place to, uh, to spend your time online. So it's a million degrees outside with 5,000% humidity. So cue the Swedish chef music and we'll head into the kitchen with Gracie. Uh, oh, wait, that music's probably copyrighted, isn't it? Well, let's see what I've got here. Hold on. Oh, that'll do. Gracie and I are in the kitchen. Say hello. Hi. We're going to make frozen hot chocolate because that sounded good. And somebody posted a recipe about that. We've got our ingredients out. It's very simple, right? I think so. All right. First, we need ice. Which you can find at a gas station. Or your freezer. Yeah. All right. Most people keep their ice in their freezers. 
So this is calling for half a, no, what is it? A cup of ice. This is, for, well, for one drink. So we're going to try to make at least two. So we'll go for the two cups of ice. Okay. Okay. Ah! Is it cold? Ice is cold. No kidding. Citation needed. <laughs> okay. That looks like you just filled the whole measuring cup. Well, it's two cups, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought you said one cup. Well, cause... we're making, like, we're doubling the recipe. Okay. Alright, dump, you want to dump it in or should I dump it in? Sure. We're dumping it into the blender. Don't turn it on yet. <laughs> you will want to make sure to put the blender lid on. Duh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, um, never stick your fingers in the blender. Right. Right. Safety first, kids. Beware, it's probably never, gonna be loud. <laughs> never stick your finger in the blender. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get that. Alright, we kind of chopped it up a little bit to get things. Put it to going. like a low or medium? Well, or is that how it's supposed right. to be? So There's still next, some chunks in there. We need half a cup to three fourths cup of water per serving, and not water, milk. Milk. Don't milk. forget, milk, not water. <laughs> yeah. So let's do maybe a cup. Wait, so what was the measurements? Half a cup to three-fourths of a cup. So maybe it just makes it extra milky. I don't know. All right, that's good. That's, that's good. good. That looks good. All right. Pour it in. I don't want it to be too much and or too little. We need some hot chocolate mix, it says. We are using uh, Nestle Classic Rich Milk Chocolate. Just a random brand from the grocery store. Uh, this episode is, is not sponsored by Nestle, but if they wanted to, um, I'm not going to turn down chocolate money. <laughs> Alright, so I guess we'll just dump that in. So, if you're making it for two people, you'll probably want about two packs. Yeah. There is a big fail because I do not have whipped cream. Yes, yes, it is tragic. We went to the just the gas station and they did not have any whipped cream, but we didn't feel like going all the way to the city to get it. So. Uh, spoon, spoon, spoon. Okay, so then they for to make it extra chocolatey, I said put in some chocolate syrup. So. And I'm all about extra chocolate. So am I. We love our chocolate. So, so should we double the amount of chocolate syrup too? We should, because that's, that's a two for a cup, so yeah, let's do four teaspoons. Oh boy, it's going to be really chocolatey. Maybe just three, Dad. Nonsense. Okay, three. <laughs> that was a big one. That was over, overflowing. Okay. Ew, don't mix it with the teaspoon. I'm mixing it with the teaspoon. Oh, you're supposed to blend it, right? Well, yeah, because that looks gross. Okay, uh, we've got all the ingredients. I almost forgot the lid. That would have been bad. I feel like we should put a banana in this, and that'd be really good. Um, okay. No. No. Um, I wonder what button I should push. How about medium? What's that? I think we added too much milk. Think so? It looks really liquidy. Yeah, we could put some more ice in though. Yeah, we're gonna add in a little bit more ice because we added too much milk. 
haven't tasted it yet. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay, we'll throw in some more ice cubes. We better put in some more chocolate syrup just to make up for the for the extra. Okay, okay, that's enough. Oh, okay, that's enough. Okay. He added like. <laughs> oh, don't say that. I'll have to cut that part out. Okay. Okay. I think that might be better. Right. No. Oh, we look have... what we did to the lid. <laughs> Alright, we've got think? some teddy bear Mine. Teddy bear uh, coffee mugs here because you have to have hot chocolate. Um, should we have a straw? Because we have some smoothie straws. Oh, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. No. It does kind of look like a chocolate smoothie. That's, or like a milkshake. Hmm. <laughs> it seems to be all clumped in there in one big glob. This is a, oh, look at that. It looks like uh, melted ice cream. Yeah, maybe a bit thicker. There we go. There we go. Here. Mine. All for me. Put your cup down. Okay. Here. Alright, that's good. Alright. Here. I guess we have just any, any extra chocolate on that? Uh, here, just pour some Should we try it? <laughs> yeah, I might need a straw. You're right. It's pretty thick. Alright, I haven't tasted it yet. I mean it. Ew, that has a hair on it. <laughs> it looks like one of those slurpy things you can get at the gas station. Yeah, alright, here we go. Tastes like a chocolate milkshake. Tastes like frozen hot chocolate to me. I think I need a bit more syrup. <laughs> yep, a bit more chocolate syrup. Flavor to taste. Put some whipped cream on the top and then drizzle more chocolate. I mean, Whatever you want. If you're not a huge chocolate fan, well, or like, like, if you're not a huge chocolate fan, then you just need to not be my friend anymore. Dad, mm. that's actually really good. Mm -hmm. Excellent cup of hot chocolate in the middle of summer. But at least it's frozen. Yes, because it has been way too hot and humid for actual hot chocolate. But that yes. tastes really good. It's yeah. pretty easy to make. I made it so. I think anybody can. <laughs> think yeah. we should share with mom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, well, we'll share with mom. Oh, it's gonna be a brain freeze. Oh. <laughs> that's that's quite tasty. All right. Well, that's... Um, frozen hot chocolate. Frozen hot chocolate and an ice cream headache. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you gonna make it? Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. The music you heard today before the kitchen segment was English Country Garden by Aaron Kenny. Otherwise, all music today was written or arranged, performed, edited, and wrestled into submission by my son Ryan. I appreciate his hard work on that. Thanks, kiddo. Well, that wraps it up for today, and I want to thank you again for joining me around the Christmas fire. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the next episode, I will have Gracie back with me, and we'll have some more um, Christmas discussion. And I'll be talking more about Charles Dickens and looking at one of his Christmas stories. All of his stories are my favorite, and he's written many things about Christmas. And I want to, uh, to look at those occasionally throughout, uh, throughout the podcast as well. When that's um, released, uh, we'll be in the Burr months. 
and things are going to start picking up around here. And, and I'm really looking forward to what I have planned coming up. I've got some uh, memories to share, some poems to look at, some more stories to share, and maybe a guest or two along the way. And so I uh, thank you so much for listening. I'd love for you to go uh, reach out to me on social medias. Uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram uh, at Cozy Christmas Podcast. Um, you can email me, and please email me uh, your Christmas memories or a voice recording of your Christmas memories at CozyChristmasPodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube now. You know, I've got so many links. If you just went to CozyChristmasPod.com, that will take you to the website. And up at the top of the webpage are all the links for all my social medias. I'm on Spotify. Now I'm on Apple Podcasts all those places. So I'd love for you to check those out. And the, one of the things you can do for me is to, uh, if you like my podcast, is to share it with others, put it on your social medias. I'd love for you to do that. Rate and review is always helpful, especially on Apple Podcasts. I know that is very beneficial for those. I also have a new uh, Facebook group page and I'll be posting there occasionally. Uh, I'm not sure where I'll be predominantly hanging out online yet. Uh, I'm most familiar with Facebook, so I'll probably be there. You know, reach out to me somewhere and I'll, and, I'll, uh, and I'll get back to you. So I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, remember that there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. Have a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>